You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. So you can go ahead, grab your seats, give someone a high five on the way. So great to have you with us in church today. I heard the 12 o'clock was the most rowdiest, loudest, faith-filled, fun. Said the front row, how about the back row? This is the best service at Audacious Church Chester, is it not? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Ban, you can stay here for one second, right? Victor, I don't know if you follow Victor on Instagram, but Victor this week, one fan on Instagram, Victor this week put up a poll and he asked the people of Instagram, I think it was something along the lines of, what is your love advice? How do I find the right woman for me? So I wonder, Victor, do you want to share your newfound wisdom with the church? Yeah. Give us some advice. All right. So I got one from Pastor Josh and it was simple. He said, read your Bible. <laughs> Good from Pastor Josh. And I have this friend back home and she's quite deep. She said, it's simple. When you have that inner peace, comfort around the person, you spend so much with it, then you love the person. How about your favorite pastor? What did he say? Well, it was also very simple. He says, Bay ain't bay if bay don't pray. There you go, young people. Write that down in your notebook from today's message. Bay ain't bay if bay don't pray. And all the parents said, Amen. Man, hey, if this is your first time here, you're supporting some of these awesome people who got baptized. My name's Lee. I get the honor to be the campus pastor here along with my wife, Lizandre. It's the best job in the world because we get to do this, see people's lives changed week in, week out. Is anybody excited about that? Amazing. Hey, you've joined us in a series today called My Miracle. And the message I want to bring is called My Miracle of Provision. Turn to your neighbor and say Provision. Provision. The Bible says this in John chapter 6, verse 5 to 12. It says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. But here is a young boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go amongst so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, plus women, plus children, massive crowd. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all, 5,000 plus women and children, all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. There's leftovers, people. 5,000 people plus women plus, plus children, five loaves and some fish. Gather the pieces that are left over and let nothing be wasted. Think back for a moment to a time where you've known what you've needed, but you've had absolutely no idea, no idea how to get it. Think back to my honeymoon when Lysandra and I were flying out to Canada. We were ready. We were excited. It was honeymoon, you know, the best couple of weeks of our lives. It was going to be awesome. 
And I'd heard all these horror stories of spouses on holiday when they've gone away and they've lost their wedding ring. And I thought to myself, huh, sucks for them, but I'm never going to lose my wedding ring, right? It's never going to happen to me. Until the moment we're on the plane, and I'm playing with my ring. I'd watched some movies. It's a long fly. I'm a little bit bored. I'm just spinning my ring around on the tray table. And as I give it one spin, I watch as my ring falls off the table and slides the whole way down the plane. I've watched it in slow motion come off the tray, and now it's starting to slide down the aisle. And I think to myself, this is the worst thing on the planet. I'm going on my honeymoon. I'm just married and I've lost my wedding ring. I look at Lysandre and she's asleep and I think, okay, here's my, my window, my little window of margin. She hasn't seen this happen, so there's still hope yet. And as I unbuckle myself, I look down under my seat. I can't see the ring anywhere. And I think to myself, this ring could be the whole way rolled down to the back of the plane. How on earth am I going to get the ring? Knew what I needed, but I had no idea how to get it at all. Until then, church, I came up with this moment of, of genius where I thought, I'll just come off my seat and I'll lie down on the floor in the middle of the airplane aisle and start looking for my ring. So I am literally on my face, looking around the airplane for my ring. And in church, I see my ring just behind me, but my ring is trapped underneath a gentleman's foot. Now, the gentleman in question is asleep. That's okay, I can work with that. But his wife partner who's beside him is reading a book. And I think I've got to be subtle here, 007 style, to try and get my ring out from underneath his foot without him noticing, okay? So I go to slide my, my hand under, try and get it, but it is wedged deep underneath his foot. And I think I'll just move really quickly. I'll just lift up his foot nice and gentle with one hand, take the ring with the other, and nobody will know any better. And as I go to lift this guy's foot up. I have his foot in my hand. His wife beside him looks down at me and says, what are you doing as I'm laid on all fours holding this guy's foot on the plane? I don't even answer her. I just lift up his foot, take my ring. He wakes up, is like, why did you touch my foot? As I try and explain to these people that my wedding ring got wedged underneath his foot on the plane. Times where you've known what you've needed, but have absolutely no idea how to get it. Praise God, this is the wedding ring and I kept it and we're still married. That deserves a round of applause. Reckon for you though, you've had those times too, haven't you? You've known exactly what you've needed, but you've had no idea how to get it. Perhaps it's been a, a new job. You know that you need a new job, but you don't know where to start. You don't know where you should apply. You don't know which website you should apply through. You don't know how you should write your CV. There's a lot of stuff that you don't really know how to do. You know what you need, but you don't know how to do it. Or maybe perhaps it's been a, a brand new friendship, lifelong relationships, deep community. You know that you need it, but you've got absolutely no idea how to get it. All of us have had those moments in life. And we all know today, don't we, the miracles of provision that we need. We all know what we need, but often we just don't know how to position ourselves to receive a miracle and live in the miracles of provision from God. So we become 
tongue-tied and confused and paralyzed, unable to move because we're not really sure what to do. Do I need more faith? Do I need to pray harder? Is it all on God? Do I just leave it up to him? Does God even want to do a miracle in my life? Do I just work harder? Is it all on me? We end up in this position where we become paralyzed and unsure how to move forward. But the good news today, Audacious Church and friends, is this, is I want to suggest three things that if we can all apply to our lives, we can live in the miraculous provision of God together. The first thing we have to apply is faith. Turn to your neighbor and say faith. Now turn to your other neighbor that you ignored and say faith. Faith. The Bible says this in Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not yet see. It goes on to say just before that, Hebrews 11, 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Today, church, faith isn't the fallback and where we go when life throws us a spanner and when things don't work out. It's not our last resort, but faith is a place where we start ourselves, where we position ourselves. Faith for the Christian is the starting blocks of life that when the whistle blows, we charge forward. Faith for us today is everything. Everything starts with faith. And faith is vital for us today because it's with faith that we access the promises of God. Faith is the vehicle today by which we access God's promises. By faith, Abraham, who didn't know where he was going, left on a God word and moved to an unknown place. By faith, Baron Sarah, who couldn't give birth, conceived and give birth to a child, even though she was at old age. By faith, Noah built a boat in the middle of dry land on a word that one day there might be rain and might be a flood. By faith, Moses chose a hard life with God's people instead of a soft life with the oppressors that were against him. For us today, we've got to start with faith. Martin Luther says it like this, faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a man would stake his life on it a thousand times. You today can't move forward in the things of God, can't advance God's kingdom, can't access miracles of provision without the ingredient of faith. We've just read this story in John 6 about a young boy with nothing much than a a lunchbox. He's got not a lot to offer. There's a crowd of thousands hungry. The journey back was days from where they were. If they left now without being fed, they'd starve on the way. They'd pass out. There's a problem, but who knows when Jesus is in the equation with problems, there's opportunities for miracles. So here they are, 5,000 plus people on the verge of starvation, let's say, looking around for the solution, and a young boy presents his lunch. Could feel embarrassed in that moment, couldn't he? So many people to feed, and all he's got is a little lunchbox with his lunch. But by faith, he presents it to Jesus. Jesus takes his offering, 
breaks it, thanks God, there's a miracle of provision and there's multiplication. And so much so, not only are people satisfied and fed, there's leftovers as well. And I want to speak over you today, Audacious Church and friends, the miracles of provision that God's got lined up for your life is ready to pour out over you aren't just enough to get you by, but there's enough that there's going to be leftovers. There's going to be abundance. There's going to be overflow. There's going to be basketfuls left that you can help provide for other people. But you've got to bring God the ingredient of your faith. We bring our our faith to the house. We bring our gifts to this house. We bring our offering and our tithes to this house. We bring our family to the house. We bring our faith for the miracles to the house. And as we bring it to the feet of Jesus, Jesus takes it, multiplies it, and there's a miracle of provision. God will bring a miracle of provision when you bring the ingredient of your faith. And the second thing we have to apply in order to live in miracles of provision is this, is my efforts. Turn to your neighbor and say, effort. Effort, my effort. John 6, 9 says, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Now, I'm originally from Northern Ireland. I don't know if you can hear that from my messed up accent. In Northern Ireland, moved to Gloucester for 10 months. I moved here to Chester six years ago. And I was a youth pastor in Gloucester, had a job as a youth pastor, And once you're a youth pastor, really, you're always a youth pastor. That's how it goes. And I moved here, and I moved here on a word from God. I felt God had told me to move to Chester. So I relocated my life. We started Audacious Church Chester. I was a volunteer, just showing up, doing my bit. And I, church, could have made a decision that because I was a youth pastor at the time by title, and it was who I was, that I would come to this new season of life and just wait for God to do the same again. Wait for church to give me a job as a youth pastor, to pay the bills. I could have waited for 18 months, but if I had waited and sat around, I actually wouldn't have got the position as the youth pastor that I did 18 months later. Instead, what I did was I showed up, I got a job in the best pizza restaurant on planet Earth, Pizza Express. Other restaurants are available, of course. Got a job there, worked hard, met staff, loved them, told them about God, played my part there, so that then 18 months later, a job happened to open up here, and it was the, I was the right person at the right time. But see, if I'd have just sat around for 18 months, expecting handouts, expecting the manna from heaven to just fall from the sky, expecting God to just put envelopes through the post of money that I needed, I would have missed out on the miracle, because I would have had no skin in the game for what God was going to bring me into and bring me to. Instead, I worked, I put effort in, I, I volunteered, I gave time. And here's what's cool about it, that even in Pizza Express, they'd give me free pizzas to bring to the youth on the Sunday night at the Crown Plaza when we'd done small groups, right? It's cool. I'll write a book one day called Pizzas for Jesus. <laughs> Don't you steal that title? I'm going to trademark it later on. But God loves to work with momentum, When we bring our effort and bring momentum into his hands, God loves to multiply when we bring momentum. If you today, church, can apply your effort, God will apply his power. And God is looking today to apply his power to your world, to your life, to your workplace, to your family, to anything and everything you're going through for his name. But he's looking for you to apply your effort so that God can then apply his power. In this story, the young boy, some loaves, some fish. Somebody 
had to catch the fish. Somebody had to bake the bread. Somebody had to man the stall and sell the loaves and sell the fish. The young boy's parents had to work to get the currency to be able to buy the loaves, buy the fish, so that then the young boy had his lunch. Can't you see that if it wasn't for somebody's effort at the start, somebody's faith at the start, there would have been no miracle of multiplication further along the way. And many of us are sitting waiting for God to bless, to multiply, and God's just simply waiting for a little bit of faith and a little bit of effort, and God will apply his momentum. And from momentum comes miracles, comes breakthrough, comes hope, comes purpose. All when we bring momentum to the hands of of Jesus. And some of us today are waiting for God to bless what he hasn't called us into or to do. We're asking God to bless the very things that we're withholding from him. I wonder today, what is it you're withholding from God that God is looking for you to bring to the table and that God can bless? See, God won't bless our finances unless we trust him in faith. God won't bless our relationships unless we act in faith. God is looking today to bless, to multiply, to grow, but he's looking for faith and he's looking for effort on our part. Today, if you will apply your effort, God will apply his power. In Jesus' name. Third thing, everybody say third thing. The third thing we need to apply is God's timing. Turn to your neighbor and say God's timing. God's timing, God's timing. John 6 says it like this, says, he asked this, this is Jesus, only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. He already had in mind what he was going to do. Now I've got an Auntie Karen who lives in Canada. She came here in November, didn't she? It was awesome. All the way from Canada, and um, she grew up, was born in Cumber, where I'm from, Northern Ireland, and left the Holy Land, the promised land of God's people, Northern Ireland, to go and go to Canada. But we forgive her pretty quick. And she's out in Canada. And I remember when I first became a Christian, I was praying for her, but she lives in the other side of the planet. And I was like, I won't see her. I'm not in contact with her. You know, we, we message, we talk a little bit. But how on earth am I going to show her the love of God? How on earth am I going to tell her about God other than a call or a text? And I prayed this prayer. I said, God, would you put people in her life who you're going to tell her about you, about Jesus, about the hope of the local church? So I prayed that prayer for years. And I thought at one point it was her right time. She had started going to a church. She was going to some community stuff, but then she got a new job and she had to move to a different part of Canada. And I was annoyed. Can I be honest in church? I was annoyed. I'm like, God, this was her time. These were her people. These guys were great. You know, she was going to become a Christian at some point. You know, this is awesome. And then she went somewhere else. And I'm praying, I'm like, God, okay, you got to start again. You got to do it again. Amanda Karen, one morning, said she was at home, it was Saturday, and felt really weird, but felt that she was meant to go to her porch in the front of her house. Trying to describe it to us later, she's like, I, I just don't know what it was, just felt like I was meant to go out to the porch. So she walks out to the front of her porch, and she sees these two people crossing her lawn, one on the left, one on the right, her two neighbors, let's call them Carl and Paul, walking across the grass, looking at each other, bemuseled, like, 
what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Oh, I just felt like I was meant to come to Karen's. He's like, I was sitting at home and felt God tell me that we're meant to come to Karen's too. And they're having this conversation. She's standing at her porch looking at them. They look at her and they're like, what are you doing out here? She's like, I was just at home, fell. I goes, man, I walk out to my porch. And those two guys walk up to her porch and said, Karen, God must have brought us all together so that you can make this decision. And my Auntie Karen, a random day in the middle of Canada, prayed a prayer and gave her life to Jesus. And her whole life has changed as a result. God's timing is perfect, but God's timing rarely lines up with my time scale. Today, church, God has a perfect time for what's going on in your world. But his timing rarely lines up with our time scale. We want it on our terms, don't we? We want it here, we want it now, we want it fast food, McDonald's, one prayer, shake it up, the miracle's done, hallelujah, amen. But God's waiting for us to bring a little bit of faith, a little bit of effort, and come along the journey and trust him in his timing to bring about the miracle of provision. And here's the thing about God's timing. It's all about trust. If God's a good God, if he loves us, if he's for us, not against us, if that's his character, if we trust his character, we can trust his timing. Because I see the today, God sees the tomorrow. I see the right here, right now. God sees the beginning from the end. I see the temporary, but God sees the eternal. And there's stuff that you're going through right now and you just see a glimpse. All we see right now is a glimpse. And God is in heaven, zoomed out, sees the big picture, not just of your life, but of eternity. And how one thing is a catalyst to the next. So today, if you can bring him some faith, if you can bring him some effort, God will apply his power and you'll see him do a miracle in his timing. Today, church, trust God. Whatever you're going through today, trust God. The ups, the downs, the roller coaster, the in-between, the left turns, the right turns, the chicanes. Do you like that, Shan? F1 link there. F1 starts back today. Hallelujah. Amen. If you can trust God, people, in all of the roller coasters of life, stay in faith. Stay moving forward in your effort, putting Him first in all you do. Watch what God will do in His timing. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.